0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Porter, one of the pastors here at Faith Community. And uh, thank you for being here in the room. It's good to be together online. Thank you so much for joining us as well. And if this is one of your first times here, either online or in the room, uh, it is good that you are here this morning. I'm glad and I trust that you are meeting God as we gather together to worship Him. Uh, I just want to, before I get into the teaching time, I just want to piggyback a little bit off of a couple things that Pastor Larry said. Uh, In our welcome time, Uh, first is uh, yes. Tim Prince is on. uh, Pastor Tim Prince is on a sabbatical, an eight-week sabbatical, and um, he and his family are probably going to start coming back to worship. Uh, And I just want to remind you that if you see him out and about or here at the building, um, he's he's not a pastor in that moment. He's a dad and he's a husband. And uh, we want to let him be able to just uh, worship with us and uh, continue to heal along with us during that time. And I just want to thank you as well uh, for all of your support, uh, not only to the Prince family, but also to the Streams and Christophers. And I just want to thank you all that um, we've all on the the staff and uh, leadership have been receiving messages about being prayed for. And uh, we can feel that we're experiencing that. And so thank you so, so much. Uh, also, uh, about uh, VBS coming and also the uh, pause that we have right now with life shaping for uh, kids uh, this is a part of uh, a bigger initiative for us at faith community and all of our ministries of faith community are really really important and in the last year or so uh, the elders have had a sense from the spirit of God that we need to be focusing on next generation uh, our next generation leaders and volunteers have done an amazing job over the years. We are very grateful for all the work that uh, you have been involved in through VBS and Life Shaping and Iwana and Refuge and uh, a lot of amazing work has been done. And we believe there's more work to be done. And so we have a city and we have a county that is filled with thousands of kids who don't know anything about Jesus. And we want to help kids experience kids and students experience a gospel inspired life and so one of the pauses uh, that's happening right now is to get ready and so there's going to be remodeling as larry said there's going to be remodeling and refreshing of the building trying to help the building uh look like less like a uh, an adult space that kids use and more like a space that kids use that adults might just happen to be there and um And then not only that, we've got a new curriculum that we're gonna be launching on Sunday morning with Faith Kids that is uh, designed to help kids experience a gospel-inspired life, to know more about Jesus, to do what Jesus uh, has called them to do, and to become more and more like Jesus, which is a gospel-inspired life. And so, uh, would you already start praying about ways that you might be able to be involved? We're going to need a lot more volunteers, a lot more leaders uh, with this new curriculum. It's a very engaging, and it's going to, Lord willing, uh, this fall, uh, two things are going to be happening in the building at the same time on Sunday morning. We're going to have worship here, and then kids are going to be everywhere in the building. Uh, having a great time learning about God uh, together in very interactive ways, and so we would love for you to be a part of that. And... Uh, this week, uh, it, if you've already probably maybe heard about this, and if you're part of the update that I send out every week, uh, but this week we have our executive director for Next Generation who's going to be moving into town from uh, Virginia. Uh, Dan and Leah Clancy are going to be moving here. Uh, we did a nationwide search and tried to find the right person for this role at this time. We believe that God has provided him, and we're excited to have him join our staff and to lead our Next Generation ministries and we are excited to see what God's going to do through him. And so next week on the 24th, my hope and prayer is Lord willing that he, Dan and Leah will be up here on the platform with me and I can introduce you to him in person and him to you. Uh, He already loves faith community. He and his wife have been attending online for the last couple months, and they are crying with us and praying with us and excited to be here uh, with us. So uh, that is coming next week. All right. Well, we are in a series We are in a series called Talking to God. And talking to God in the midst of when we, in the midst of uh, the ups and downs of life, um, how to talk to God when we know that we're guilty of doing wrong and dishonoring God in some way. How do we talk to God when that happens? Pastor Larry will be talking and teaching about that next week. We looked last week at how to talk to God when you're grieving and you're angry at Him. Today, we're going to look at how to talk to God when we are when we are anxious, when we're anxious, when we're worried, when we are fearsome. Now, just a little bit about anxiety before we jump in and look at Psalm 27 together. When God made us, this is amazing to think about, but when God made us, he made us with this capacity as human beings to be vigilant, to be able to foresee foresee dangers and respond to them. And this is before, if you know the Bible, this is, this is before sin had crept into the world. Back in Genesis 2, God creates a garden and he puts Adam and Eve in that garden. He puts Adam there and he gives the command to keep the garden, to guard it, to tend it, to protect it. He gives us a capacity to be vigilant Now, unfortunately, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were not as vigilant as they should have been. There was a talking snake, and they listened to it. To be vigilant would have meant doing something with a shovel to that snake, it seems to me. But instead of guarding and protecting and being vigilant, they listened, and they disobeyed God. And ever since then, the world's been broken. We live... As we all know, and we all experience, and we live in a very dangerous world where a lot of bad things can happen. And that vigilant side of us, that vigilant capacity that we have to sort of foresee danger and try to respond in ways that... Uh, are helpful and serve others so that people we love and care about aren't harmed. That vigilance capacity now is tainted and twisted a little bit so that you and I, instead of always experiencing vigilance and acting, we experience anxiety, fear, worrisomeness, and we can get locked in a spiral of anxiety. God knows that about us. And God kindly invites us and calls us to talk to him when we're anxious. In anxiety, we start to feel alone. We're alone. And God wants to remind us in talking to him that we are never alone, even though our worst fears might actually come to pass. So how do we talk to God? We're looking at Psalm 27 today, and this is one way to learn to talk to God together. Psalm 27, it's on page 460 in the Bibles in front of you if you would like to use one of those. Psalm 27. This is a psalm of David. King David wrote this psalm. He's a man who had great courage, Faced into many fears, and he also experienced great terror and anxiety and worry. And he teaches us how to talk to God. Verse 1 The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked, one thing have I asked for, sorry, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. Now, in these psalms, the, the, the book of Psalms is a prayer book for the people of God. And we have psalms from Moses. We have psalms from what we looked at last week, someone named Asaph. We have psalms, the majority of the psalms are from King David. And King David was learning to talk to God and to bring the real him into relationship with the real God. And so David is exposing himself, his heart to what's really going on in him and what his circumstances are really like to the real God because he wanted to have a type of authenticity in his relationship with God. And in these prayers that we're like, what we're reading here today, these prayers are not only like models for us on how to pray and how to bring our real selves to the real God, they also have instruction elements to them, not just as models, but Say, for example, with this one, David goes through a time of wrestling in fearful circumstances, and he learns some things about God. He models for us how we can talk to God, but then he has this call to every reader. This is the takeaway. This is the point of what he's getting at, and it's in verse 14, that we would wait for the Lord... That when we are fearful, we would be strong and let our heart take courage. And in case we missed it the first time, repeated, wait for the Lord. Now, it's always an amazing thing to tell somebody who's anxious or to try to tell your own heart when you're anxious to wait. The last thing anybody who's anxious wants to do is wait. We want a solution right here, right now because we can envision into the future something bad happening. We want to know right here, right now how in the world we are going to handle that circumstance if it comes to pass. And waiting is one of the last things we want to do at times when we are fearful and anxious. And yet waiting is so important. See, there's two temptations that we have when we are anxious and fearful and worrisome. There's two temptations. One is to try to handle things with our own strength. When you're anxious, the thing that you want often is control. I'm going to do everything I have to to not have this fearful thing happen to me or to somebody that I love. Take control. And sometimes we take control. Sometimes we take control. Forgetting that God is the one who will be with us start to hear about economic difficulties, about high inflation, we're experiencing high inflation. One of the things we can do to take control in a self-preservation kind of way that doesn't account for God is to stop being generous and start hoarding just in case something bad happens. It's not waiting for the Lord and trusting that he will provide when that happens. The other danger is here in this passage is to not be strong and not take courage. When we're fearful, we're either going to be overly controlling and not be waiting, or we can be passive and not engage in the very thing that God's calling us to do because we're afraid how it's going to turn out. David, as king, knew this very well. The the descriptions of armies rising against him and enemies waiting to take off his head are not just only metaphors. They are metaphors, but they're not just really metaphors. He's a king, and there were people that wanted him dead, and he would go into battle, and he knew that if he did not go into battle because of the enemies that are out there, if he didn't go into battle, he wouldn't be fulfilling his calling as a king the nation of Israel would start to tumble. Everything was on his shoulders, as it were, as a king, and he couldn't back away when he was afraid. And so even in the psalm, David asks God, he says this, verse 11, "'Teach me your way, O Lord, teach me your way. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies.'" In other words, lead me on this level path. "'Teach me how to behave and how to follow you.'" in the presence of my enemies because I can let their fear, I can let fear of them keep me from doing what you're asking me to do, God. And the nation will suffer, and my relationship with you will suffer. One of the things that I've seen people from faith community courageously do over the years is people who are afraid of conflict. They fear conflict is talking to people where they have, with whom they have conflict and seeking reconciliation. If they wouldn't face into those fears, if they wouldn't follow the Lord, they'd be backing away. And conflict always goes sideways if you're not facing into it. It either leads to slander and gossip or bitterness. And so, when we're anxious and afraid, the two things we need to look out for are trying to take an idolatrous sense of control in the situation and leave God out of it, or trying to back away from the thing that God's calling you to do that you're afraid of. That's the call today, to be courageous, to wait on the Lord. And David teaches us how to talk to God so that we can experience that kind of waiting on the Lord and experience that kind of take Courage, kind of way. And David teaches us two things. One, he teaches us how to talk to ourselves as a bonus, how to talk to ourselves when we're afraid, but then also how to talk to God. And first, how to talk to ourselves. David begins this psalm in verse 1 in this way The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, David knew this. David knew this, and, and we know this too that the world is dangerous. We live in a dangerous world, and enemies are all around. They might not be personal enemies, like they're out to get you, but they're enemies nonetheless, and that they can do you harm, and that there's things that can happen in life that harm people that you love and care about. And that's one of the reasons why we get anxious is that something we care about is feeling, we're feeling threatened that something's going to happen to it. And vigilance starts to become anxiety when we start to look out in the future saying, what if, 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 what if. And if you're familiar with anxiety, you know the what ifs rarely stop. They just start to spiral. And David sees that not only are there maybe possibly enemies that could come against him and arise and attack him, but even his mother and father might turn away from him runs the gamut of the difficulties and tragedies in life. But if you pay attention when we are anxious, if you pay attention to your anxiety, God has given us this an amazing ability of our use of our imagination. And some people who are anxious can see with high definition the difficulties and the troubles and the fearsome things that could come into their lives and they can start to, we can start to put ourselves in those situations in our imagination and what's going on often when we are anxious and fearful of what could happen to us or to someone we love is that we never imagine God you ever notice that? A lot of times our, f- our, our, our anxieties are false prophets. This is going to happen, and God's not going to be there. And what David does in this, what David does in this psalm, and he begins to show us how to talk to ourselves. At the end of the service, we're going to sing a song, Remember, remember, oh my soul, who you're talking to because you and I are the most influential people to you and I. Did you ever notice that? We're the ones talking to ourselves the most. And in our anxiety, we're talking about what's going to happen to ourselves, and we are imagining those worst-case scenarios, and they get us locked in, and they get us in this spiral. And David experienced the same thing, and so David is showing us that what we do is we intentionally, we intentionally need to bring God into the fearful circumstances that we are envisioning. And God doesn't become, it doesn't stay this like abstract principle of, oh God, you are salvation, or God, you save. David in this verse starts to personalize it. Lord, you are my light when enemies abound. Lord, you are my salvation when enemies abound. Lord, you are the stronghold of my life when I face an enemy. He's personalizing it. He's moving from what ifs to even if. Even if enemies arise, you are my stronghold. My. Stronghold in the moment. Many of you have heard me talk about this. This is something that has just recently happened to me. On June 7th, I went out for a normal run on Tuesday morning. uh, When I run, it's more like a jog. You can talk to my family about that. Um, it's more like a, uh, more like a jog, but I was moving just right along at my normal snail's pace. And I had my dog Charlie with me and we were, I was on a, just doing a normal Tuesday morning kind of deal. And I rounded a corner by our house, about a third of a mile away from our home. And, uh, one step I felt hmm, off second step. I felt really off third step. I was heading down, blacked out and hit the concrete. Thankfully, I didn't hurt myself too badly, bruised my rib here, scraped up my hand, scraped up my cheek a little bit, still got blood on my shoes, sort of cool um, <laughs> uh, from, from it. And uh, thankfully, in God's kindness, uh, my first thought was, oh great, I'm having a heart attack because my chest hurt because my ribs are sore. Like uh, I I got great. I turned 50 and I have a heart attack while I'm running. Yeah, How, can I be a better coach? you know? Um, but that's not what happened, thankfully. Um, it seems as though, uh, dehydration, significant dehydration. I don't like to drink water. Water is so bland. Um, uh, but it's important. <laughs> um, and I'm learning to drink more water and uh, drink a lot more water. Uh, and then also my adrenal glands just gave out. I was operating at like really high RPMs under a lot of different stresses and my adrenal glands just gave out they said no more. And I passed out. Since that time, Because I passed out in in an activity that is like this safe place for me, this is an enjoyable thing for me. When I run, I get to think, I get to be present with my thoughts and I get to talk to God and I get to pray. Uh, It's just really, really, really helpful to me. I, I long to go out running even though I'm super slow because I got hurt doing that and I had no control over it. It just showed up out of nowhere. Now, when I go into new circumstances or even circumstances that I've been in before, I'm terrified. Am I going to pass out? Am I going to pass out? And what's going to happen when I pass out? When I'm driving, what's going to happen when I pass out? And I talk to a guy who actually had that happen. I'm like, oh, great. That could happen to me. Yeah, it could. We're on vacation right after um, I passed out. And we're in a lake cabin. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was glorious. Reading a story. Reading a story on Apple News. A woman who was an athlete and she was in in the water. Passed out. She started to sink to the bottom. It started to drown. It wasn't except except for her coach jumping in and actually seeing what's going on, jumping in and saving her, pulling out. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to go swim in the water. I'm going to pass out. Who's going to save me, right? That's how anxiety goes. And then as I'm wrestling through all these new scenarios about what's it going to be like if I pass out in this kind of situation, um, I start to think, oh, great. I'm going to live the rest of my life worried about passing out whenever I go someplace. That's how anxiety works. And so God in his kindness though reminded me to start talking to myself. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament comes from the book of Hosea, Hosea 14:8 where the Lord says to the people of Israel, Jacob, oh Jacob, it's his way of referring to the whole people. He says, "Oh Jacob, what have I to do with idols?" In other words, don't compare me to an idol. What have I to do with idols? It's I who look after you. It is I who answer you. I'm an evergreen tree your fruit comes from me. And that little phrase, it's I who look after you. I had to start telling myself, talking to myself like David does here. Even if I pass out, it's the Lord who looks after me. It's the Lord who does that. It's the Lord who does that. Turning my what ifs into even ifs, even if that happens. God is with me and he will provide for me even though I don't know how he's going to do it. I will trust him even in the worst of circumstances I can imagine. It's I who look after you. Now with vigilance, I drink more water and I'm trying to get more sleep and I'm trying to rest more. But I go for runs now, trusting If I fall again, you are with me. You're with me. Talk to your heart when you're anxious. Remind your heart that the Lord is your stronghold. He's your light in whatever darkness you can imagine. He's your salvation. He's always Always there. David turns from talking to himself about God in this psalm, showing us how to do that, to now talking to God about his fears, about his worst fears. In verse 12, we see this. David says, "'Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, "'for false witnesses have risen against me, "'and they breathe out violence.'" David is pouring his heart out to God. He's bringing the real him with his real fears and his real circumstances to the real God and saying, God, you have to do something about this. If you don't do something about this, I am done. It seems at times like a bit of a no-brainer to do this, but When you're locked in anxiety and you're locked in worry, sometimes you're just stuck in your head trying to envision how you can get out of the fearful circumstances that you envision or how you're going to have a contingency plan for when this bad thing could happen to you at this point in time. And what the Lord is calling us to and what David shows us is that we're not supposed to handle fear on our own. We're not supposed to handle tragedy on our own. We're not supposed to handle anxiety on our own. We're not made that way. We're not made to be independent of God. We're made to be dependent on Him and to call out to Him and to give all of our fears to Him. It's about a relationship with Him. Many of you maybe have memorized this verse. It's a powerful verse packed with so much gospel inspiration. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Cast all your anxieties upon him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for When we're in anxiety, when we're in worry, when we're in fear, you know one of the things that we fear the mo- or that we experience the most is that we're all alone and nobody really cares. David models for us that God really, really, really cares. And part of our relationship with him is telling him everything that we're feeling, telling him everything that we're thinking, telling him all of our imaginations, telling us uh, everything that we can imagine about the worst case scenarios and say, God, you've got to do something. Real or imagined, worst case scenarios. Why? Because he cares for you. And Peter even says, humble yourself. Humble yourself by casting your cares upon him. That's what David's showing us how to do. See, there's a certain level of pride in anxiety and worry. I've got to figure out a way to handle this. And God says, no, this is too big for you. Give it to me. Give it to me. The lament psalms, which is a a certain kind of psalm, I looked at one last week. Psalm 77, the lament psalms are filled with the psalmists pouring out their hearts to God about the trials and the suffering, the difficulties and the fearful things they see around them and they're experiencing. One of my favorite, Psalm 22, it's also a psalm of David. Verse 11, be not far from me. Just listen. Listen to how David writes Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help, O God. Many bulls encompass me, and it's a metaphor for all these violent men who are about him. Many bulls encompass me, these strong bulls of Bashan. They surround me, and they're opening wide their mouths at me, and they're they're ravening and roaring like lions at me. So fearful and so scary that I'm 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 poured out like water, God. All my bones are out of joint. my My heart is like wax; it's melted within my chest. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You know what it's like, right? When you're anxious, like your mouth just gets really dry; you can barely talk. So David's experiencing. The one who says, "Wait for the Lord and take courage." is the one who experienced deep fear and anxiety and he called upon God and gave him those circumstances of fears. Jesus takes this psalm as his own. He's on the cross. He's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from Psalm 22. A man of sorrows, Jesus is calling out in the midst of fearful, difficult, horrible circumstances of being crucified. He's calling out to God. And God heard his prayers. Didn't save him from the crucifixion. But three days later, he burst forth from the grave. In the midst of calling out to God, David clarifies one thing that he's going to keep asking God for it's the most important thing and it's maybe it is the secret sauce of how to live waiting and taking courage in the midst of fear and anxiety to pray this one thing He says to God one thing I've asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire on his temple. Now, if you look at the hall of Psalm 27, David prays for a lot of things. He prays for deliverance. He prays for uh, protection. He prays for uh, salvation. He prays for all kinds of things. But in the midst of everything that he's praying for and asking God for and for help for, this is the one thing that he must have as an individual as he faces into his fears. He must have this ability from God to gaze at the beauty of God. To gaze at the beauty of God. It says again, one thing I seek after, this is one thing that I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life where God's presence was, was in the temple. He said, this is what I need so I can be there, so I can just, I can see your beauty, Lord. I can see your beauty. Now, it's an interesting deal. Again, it's a metaphor because God is spirit, so you can't see him. And so what's David asking for? He's asking for this sense of the heart, the sense on his heart that moves sort of the intellectual God is good and beautiful moves the intellectual to a real sense that I know and I experience that God, you are beautiful. You are favorable. You are wonderful. That's what I need in the midst of fearful circumstances. If you were here for Father's Day and uh, we played our Tim and Tim Father's Day video, And that video shoot was the tastiest video shoot we've ever done in our lives. Not that we've done a lot of Tim and Tim videos, but it was wonderful. We had cheesecake. Not that I was able to eat the cheesecake because Tim ate it all, but that's for a different day. No, he he really did. not No. But then if you saw the video, um, I was sort of teaching in an annoyed kind of way, uh, teaching Tim how to reverse sear a steak. And we actually reverse seared the steaks. So it took us maybe about 30 minutes at 225 in the oven, and then we put it on the grill. And if you saw the video, you can go go to our website and watch it later. But saw the video. Uh, as soon as I picked up the, the steak from the cast iron, as it was sizzling, you saw the bark on there, and it was all yummy and good. And you had a sense, and you, you had a sense that this steak was going to be delicious. Have you ever had steak before? You had a sense just by looking at it that it was going to be delicious, right? The production team had a sense as well because they smelled it and saw it. But Tim and I got to taste it. And it was the best steak I'd ever made. And it was amazing. And after every bite, we're just like, oh man, this is just really, really, really good. That's what David's talking about. He's talking about moving from the video with God, where you can see the the steak on the screen And you're thinking that it's good to actually tasting that it's good. There's another psalm where we're told, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what David is calling for. David's saying, I know that you're good. I know that you're beautiful. Help me to gaze on your beauty, O Lord, to really, really, really know that you're beautiful. Because again, when we're anxious, we're not envisioning God being there with us. When we're anxious, we feel alone. When we're anxious, we're not imagining God's goodness. And David says, this is what I need, because this will get me through anything. I need a sense of my heart that you're beautiful. And when I have that, I can be around my enemies and know that you're my stronghold. I can be in the presence of armies and know that you won't abandon me. It's turning our what ifs to even if. So you can look confidently into the future and say, when you've got that kind of sense of the heart, when God gives you a glimpse, a gaze of him, able to say, even if, I know you'll be with me. I'm riddled with anxiety enough that I try to find worst case scenario stories for what Christians can go through and what it was like for them to go through it, and was God there? One of my favorite stories, and Tim Prince talks about this too, one of my favorite stories is... The story of uh, Corey and Betsy and Casper Tenboon, and the hiding place. It's written about her stories written about in the hiding place. For some time, they were hiding Jews from Nazi Germany, protecting them. They got caught eventually. Corey and Betsy and Casper, their father, all were sent to concentration camps. And Corey and Betsy saw the goodness of God in the most horrific circumstances. Writing afterward, Corey says this, one of my favorite quotes, no pit is so deep that he is not deeper still. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, The best, that is Jesus, the best remains. And the very best is yet to be. The best remains. Even in the darkest moments, the best remains. And that's not trying to sugarcoat it and say, oh, the Holocaust wasn't that bad, Jesus was there. No. It's terrible. And Jesus was there. One of the amazing things about this psalm And David's experience is that David was asking for something that you and I can experience even more than David could. The metaphor that David uses in this psalm to talk about God's presence, he has to go to the temple to be in God's presence. And and he longs to be in the temple day in and day out because he knows that's where God's presence is. And he just wants to gaze on the beauty. And this is the amazing thing. is that you and I have more access to the beauty of God than David had. See, Jesus came and he lived for us and he died for us. He died for our sins. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died because of our rebellion and sin. And he rose again so that you and I can have eternal life. So that as Corey says, the, the best is still yet to come. It's out there in the future. Just as Jesus will rise again, there's no matter the fearful circumstances that we can encounter, there's always resurrection as a hope. Amazing. But Jesus died and rose again, not only so that we can have our sins cleansed and so that we can have a hope of rising again with Jesus one day. He also came and lived and died and rose again so that he could place his spirit into your Life. The very beauty of God takes up residence in every follower of Jesus the moment that they believe. The reason why Jesus' love is always deeper still is because the Spirit of God is in every follower of Jesus. He never, ever doesn't go with you. Even if the worst comes, God's presence is there. His goodness is there. His goodness will be with you. It's amazing. We're talking about how to talk to God when we're fearful. So I want to give us just an opportunity to talk to God before we close with one last song. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head and Just pray silently. And anything top of mind that you're bringing in today that's fearful, anxious, or worrisome, talk to God about that right now. Let Him know what you really feel. Uh, just for a few moments from your heart, just call out to God and ask him to let you gaze his beauty. And he would let you know his goodness. Sense of the heart. You taste and see that God is good. Lord, thank you that you have made us to be vigilant, to see threats and to act out of care and love and concern for others. Forgive us when we get trapped into anxiety or worrisomeness or fearfulness. Keep us from either taking idolatrous control of the situation or not following the things that you've told us to do because we're afraid. God, would you give us a gaze of your beauty? And as we sing this next song, would you please remind our hearts of the one that we're singing to? In Jesus' name. the room would you please stand as we sing